Today is January 13th, and this is Verses in Flow. I'm Jennifer Wainwright, and I am so grateful that you're here. Now, in yesterday's reading, we were in the story of Jacob and Esau, one of the most well-known stories of the Bible, and a classic tale of sibling rivalry, deceit, betrayal, and many plans. We'll continue that story today and talk more about it after today's reading. But for now, let's flow. Genesis chapters 28 and 29, Good News Translation. Isaac called Jacob, greeted him, and told him, Don't marry a Canaanite. Go instead to Mesopotamia, to the home of your grandfather Bethuel, and marry one of the young women there, one of your uncle Laban's daughters. May Almighty God bless your marriage and give you many children so that you will become the father of many nations. May he bless you and your descendants as he blessed Abraham, and may you take possession of this land in which you have lived and which God gave to Abraham. Isaac sent Jacob away to Mesopotamia to Laban, who was the son of Bethuel the Aramean and the brother of Rebekah, the mother of Jacob and Esau. Esau takes another wife. Esau learned that Isaac had blessed Jacob and sent him away to Mesopotamia to find a wife. He also learned that when Isaac blessed him, he commanded him not to marry a Canaanite woman. He found out that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother and had gone to Mesopotamia. Esau then understood that his father Isaac did not approve of Canaanite women. So he went to Ishmael, son of Abraham, and married his daughter Mahalath, who was the sister of Nebaioth. Jacob's Dream at Bethel Jacob left Beersheba and started toward Haran. At sunset, he came to a holy place and camped there. He lay down to sleep, resting his head on a stone. He dreamed that he saw a stairway reaching from earth to heaven with angels going up and coming down on it. And there was the Lord standing beside him. I am the Lord, the God of Abraham and Isaac, he said. I will give to you and to your descendants this land on which you are lying. They will be as numerous as the specks of dust on the earth. They will extend their territory in all directions, and through you and your descendants, I will bless all the nations. Remember, I will be with you and protect you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done all that I have promised you. Jacob woke up and said, The Lord is here. He is in this place, and I didn't know it. He was afraid and said, what a terrifying place this is. It must be the house of God. It must be the gate that opens into heaven. Jacob got up early next morning, took the stone that was under his head, and set it up as a memorial. Then he poured olive oil on it to dedicate it to God. He named the place Bethel. The town there was once known as Luz. Then Jacob made a vow to the Lord. If you will be with me and protect me on the journey I am making and give me food and clothing, and if I return safely to my father's home, then you will be my God. This memorial stone which I have set up will be the place where you are worshipped, and I will give you a tenth of everything you give me. 
Jacob arrives at Laban's home. Jacob continued on his way and went toward the land of the east. Suddenly he came upon a well out in the fields with three flocks of sheep lying around it. The flocks were watered from this well, which had a large stone over the opening. Whenever all the flocks came together there, the shepherds would roll the stone back and water them. Then they would put the stone back in place. Jacob asked the shepherds, My friends, where are you from? From Haran, they answered. He asked, Do you know Laban, grandson of Nahor? Yes, we do, they answered. Is he well? He asked. He is well, they answered. Look, here comes his daughter Rachel with his flock. Jacob said, Since it is still broad daylight and not yet time to bring the flocks in, why don't you water them and take them back to pasture? They answered, We can't do that until all the flocks are here and the stone has been rolled back. Then we will water the flocks. While Jacob was still talking with them, Rachel arrived with the flock. When Jacob saw Rachel with his uncle Laban's flock, he went to the well, rolled the stone back, and watered the sheep. Then he kissed her and began to cry for joy. He told her, I am your father's relative, the son of Rebekah. She ran to tell her father, and when he heard the news about his nephew Jacob, he ran to meet him hugged him and kissed him, and brought him into the house. When Jacob told Laban everything that had happened, Laban said, Yes, indeed, you are my own flesh and blood. Jacob stayed there a whole month. Jacob serves Laban for Rachel and Leah. Laban said to Jacob, You shouldn't work for me for nothing just because you are my relative. How much pay do you want? Laban had two daughters. The older was named Leah and the younger Rachel. Leah had lovely eyes, but Rachel was shapely and beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel, so he said, I will work seven years for you if you will let me marry Rachel. Laban answered, I would rather give her to you than to anyone else. Stay here with me. Jacob worked seven years so that he could have Rachel, and the time seemed like only a few days to him because he loved her. Then Jacob said to Laban, The time is up. Let me marry your daughter. So Laban gave a wedding feast and invited everyone. But that night, instead of Rachel, he took Leah to Jacob, and Jacob had intercourse with her. Laban gave his slave woman, Zilpah, to his daughter, Leah, as her maid. Not until the next morning did Jacob discover that it was Leah. He went to Laban and said, Why did you do this to me? I worked to get Rachel. Why have you tricked me? Laban answered, It is not the custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older. Wait until the week's marriage celebrations are over, and I will give you Rachel if you will work for me for another seven years. Jacob agreed, and when the week of marriage celebrations was over, Laban gave him his daughter Rachel as his wife. Laban gave his slave woman Bilhah to his daughter Rachel as her maid. Jacob had intercourse with Rachel also, and he loved her more than Leah. Then he worked for Laban another seven years. 
the children born to Jacob. When the Lord saw that Leah was loved less than Rachel, he made it possible for her to have children, but Rachel remained childless. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She said, The Lord has seen my trouble, and now my husband will love me. So she named him Reuben. She became pregnant again and gave birth to another son. She said, The Lord has given me this son also, because he heard that I was not loved. So she named him Simeon. Once again, she became pregnant and gave birth to another son. She said, Now my husband will be bound more tightly to me, because I have borne him three sons. So she named him Levi. Then she became pregnant again and gave birth to another son. She said, This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. Matthew chapter 9 verses 18 through 38 The official's daughter and the woman who touched Jesus' cloak. While Jesus was saying this, a Jewish official came to him knelt down before him and said, My daughter has just died, but come and place your hands on her and she will live. So Jesus got up and followed him, and his disciples went along with him. A woman who had suffered from severe bleeding for twelve years came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, If only I touch his cloak, I will get well. Jesus turned around and saw her and said, Courage, my daughter, your faith has made you well. At that very moment, the woman became well. Then Jesus went into the official's house. When he saw the musicians for the funeral and the people all stirred up, he said, Get out, everybody. The little girl is not dead. She is only sleeping. Then they all started making fun of him. But as soon as the people had been put out, Jesus went into the girl's room and took hold of her hand, and she got up. The news about this spread all over that part of the country. Jesus heals two blind men. Jesus left that place, and as he walked along, two blind men started following him. Have mercy on us, son of David, they shouted. When Jesus had gone indoors, the two blind men came to him, and he asked them, Do you believe that I can heal you? Yes, sir, they answered. Then Jesus touched their eyes and said, Let it happen then, just as you believe. And their sight was restored. Jesus spoke sternly to them, Don't tell this to anyone. But they left and spread the news about Jesus all over that part of the country. Jesus heals a man who could not speak. As the men were leaving, some people brought to Jesus a man who could not talk because he had a demon. But as soon as the demon was driven out, the man started talking, and everyone was amazed. We have never seen anything like this in Israel, they exclaimed. But the Pharisees said, It is the chief of the demons who gives Jesus the power to drive out demons. Jesus has pity for the people. Jesus went around visiting all the towns and villages, 
He taught in the synagogues, preached the good news about the kingdom, and healed people with every kind of disease and sickness. As he saw the crowds, his heart was filled with pity for them, because they were worried and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So he said to his disciples, The harvest is large, but there are few workers to gather it in. Pray to the owner of the harvest that he will send out workers to gather in his harvest. Psalm 11, Confidence in the Lord I trust in the Lord for safety. How foolish of you to say to me, fly away like a bird to the mountains. Because the wicked have drawn their bows and aimed their arrows to shoot from the shadows at good people. There is nothing a good person can do when everything falls apart. The Lord is in his holy temple. He has his throne in heaven. He watches people everywhere and knows what they are doing. He examines the good and the wicked alike, the lawless he hates with all his heart. He sends down flaming coals and burning sulfur on the wicked. He punishes them with scorching winds. The Lord is righteous and loves good deeds. Those who do them will live in his presence. Proverbs 3 verses 11 and 12 My child, when the Lord corrects you, pay close attention and take it as a warning. The Lord corrects those he loves as parents correct a child of whom they are proud. In the New Testament today, we see Jesus doing Jesus things, healing people, giving sight to the blind, making a woman well who had been suffering with a blood disorder of some sort for a very long time. Now, we'll come across these miracles again in other Gospels, so I'll talk about them more when we get there, and when there's not so much messiness going on in the Old Testament. Now, about that recap from yesterday. As I said earlier, it is a classic tale of sibling rivalry, deceit, betrayal, and many plans. So here's what was happening. Isaac is blind and nearing death. He tells Esau to go hunting, then make him his favorite meal so he can give him his blessing. Rebecca overhears their conversation. And while Esau is out hunting, she tells Jacob of Isaac's plan and comes up with her own plan for Jacob to steal the blessing from Esau. Jacob tricks Isaac into believing that he is Esau. Isaac gives Jacob the blessing, and when Esau finds out, he is in anguish and pleads with Isaac to give him a blessing too. Isaac trembles and shakes when it sets in that he's been tricked by his youngest son, but tells Esau that there is nothing he can do at this point. There is no other blessing to give him. Esau then plans to kill Jacob, and Rebekah, learning of Esau's plan, sends Jacob away to live with their brother Laban to prevent him from being killed and losing both her sons as a result. Little does Jacob know, Laban has plans of his own too, which we learned about today. This story has everything. Deception and trickery, murderous rage, regret, revenge, the savagery of it all. But what's really interesting is how it points to something very important about human nature. We often forget what role we play in our own destruction. 
We tend to see ourselves as victims and blame others for our problems. In this case, Esau could not see past Jacob's deception. But let's go back to Esau for a second. Esau could have easily avoided being tricked by his brother if he had been more cautious and more protective of his birthright. But he didn't value it, so he lost it to someone who did. Now, that doesn't let Jacob off the hook, nor Rebecca. They were both still wrong. But for Esau's part, his birthright was worth less than a bowl of soup to him. Yikes. Now, I'm not tripping on Esau, though, because I shudder at the thought of what I have taken for granted in my life. I can't help but think of the times that I've been taken advantage of or cheated on and how it may have been avoided if only I had valued myself and my stuff more highly. Oh, I know I'm saying a lot, but I also know that I'm speaking the truth. It doesn't absolve any perpetrator of their wrongdoing, but it does make me wonder, what have I taken for granted? What do I value more than it deserves? And what might happen if I don't change my ways? And as far as Rebecca goes, if she was not a meddling mama, I don't know what one is. But here's the thing. God had already told her that Jacob, her favorite back in chapter 25, would be the family leader. She didn't even need to meddle because the very thing she was scheming to secure was already ordained by God. It was going to come to pass. Like, did she forget? She just needed to sit back and let him work it out. But because she didn't, now the baby had to run away and go live with his uncle Laban. And she may have never seen him again. We don't know. But what a sad, sad tale for her and her husband Isaac at this point. And a whole lot of other bad stuff happened that perhaps wouldn't have if they would have just let God do his thing. But we can't really trip on Rebecca either, lest we trip over our own feet and the missteps we've taken meddling in God's business because we didn't have the patience to wait. The lesson here is that if we believe God has a plan for our lives, then we also have to believe that He wants to see us live it. So we gotta chill and just let Him be God. And then today's reading had me shaking my head like, well, 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 what do we have here? Not the deceiver getting a dose of his own deception, but yes, Jacob is tricked by Laban into marrying his elder daughter Leah when he thought he was getting Rachel. And he had the nerve to get mad. Like Esau, Jacob didn't seem to realize what his role was and what happened to him. He was reaping the duplicity that he had sown. Listen, we never know how it's going to come back on us when we mistreat others, but it is coming back. So I'm going to share something else my mother used to say all the time. Treat everybody right. Now, Jacob does eventually get Rachel, but only after he agrees to work an additional seven years. And this is going to get really complicated because what kind of love triangle involving a man and two sisters wouldn't? But we will get to that a little bit further down the line. For now, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we know you want us to live our lives for you and your glory, but sometimes we try to do it on our own. 
And then we get confused and just mess things up. We get so caught up in our own plans and ideas that we forget all about yours. Dear Lord, help us to remember that your way is the best way and that your timing is always perfect. Help us to stop trying to be in control. We long for you to lead the way. Thank you for your patience with us as we learn how to have patience with you. Help us remember that while we can only see what's in front of us, you have the master plan and you are orchestrating everything from the beginning to the end. We surrender to you, oh God. We know that you're in control and we trust you with our lives. Help us to remember this when things get tough and we start trying to take over again. Help us to trust in your timing as we walk through this season in our lives. Enhance our vision so that we'll be able to see how everything is working together for our good. Help us to remember that even when things aren't going the way we want or expect them to, it's still all a part of your perfect plan. Thank you for your faithfulness, your grace, and your love. Without them, we would be lost. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And our affirmation for today, I am in control of my choices and I choose to trust God with everything. I am in control of my choices and I choose to trust God with everything. And our aphorism, patience is a virtue, but the virtue lies in the struggle, not in the prize. Patience is a virtue, but the virtue lies in the struggle, not in the prize. That's all I have for you today. I wanna thank you Thank you once again for your generosity of spirit. And I am very passionate about my work and I am very much self-motivated. However, your comments, your posts, your seeds, your sharing, every kind gesture means the world to me and motivates me to do the very best podcast that I can do every single day and make it as meaningful as possible. Your generosity of spirit keeps me elevated and energized and allows me to focus on my vision and keep going forward knowing that there are people who not only appreciate what I do, but are really being helped by it. So for every gift in whatever form it comes in, I pray that God will bless you tenfold. All right, y'all. You belong here And we belong together on this journey. I'll be here tomorrow waiting for you.